the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It's always a pleasure to be with you on your drive home or still in the workplace, uh, in your house doing whatever you do. It's always good to be with you. We take issues of the day and look at them from a Christian perspective and to try to get some perspective on what a Christian perspective is. That is a big part of what we do. As uh, we begin the show today, we'll do some Open Line Friday in a little bit, but I have a special guest with us, and uh, I want you to hear from Dr. Phil. You're not doctor. I always call you doctor. I give you this... uh, (laughs) Philip DeCourcy, he's doctor on this show, Dr. Philip yeah. DeCourcy. He is the Pastor Scott Show uh, doctorate degree. He's the senior pastor of the Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California, and you can hear him on his daily radio program, Know the Truth, heard weekdays here on, and over 600 radio stations and platforms, including right here on KKLA at 1030 a.m., Monday through Friday. He's also in the surrounding counties. He's also on in San Diego on KPraise at 630 in the morning and on KDAR in Oxnard at 11. 11 a.m., and he will be the guest speaker at the 2023 KDAR Pastors Breakfast in Oxnard on Tuesday, October 3rd at 8.30 a.m. You can register right now. Register your pastor or ministry leader at 983fmtheword.com, 983fmtheword.com. Uh, pastor Philip DeCourcy, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thanks, uh, Scott. It's great to be with you and uh, the uh, L.A. and greater audience, and uh, it's a joy to just uh, partner with uh, KKLA and uh, KDR and other uh, broadcast ministries uh, to get the gospel out. So thanks for inviting me, and I hope we have a profitable time. Yeah, it's always great to have you on. And, you know, your passion for the Word, your understanding of where we're at today in the culture, and your your passion for pastors, as you're going to be the speaker at the Pastor's Breakfast as a you know, 25-year pastor myself, I know how important it is to get together with other pastors and have someone speak and teach you as a pastor. You know, when you, when you think about that, what kinds of things are heavy on your mind for pastors in the church today? Yeah, but look, um, pastoring's tough. Um, we, 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 you know, I'm in Ephesians 6 at the moment uh, with our study in the book of Ephesians, and, uh, you know, ministry's war. Life mm-hmm. is war. And uh, the pastor is at the forefront of that. He, you know, he wears, I think he wears a big axe on his chest and on his back, uh, because as in warfare, when you can take the command structure out, you do great damage. And I think that God's servants, God's leaders, God's pastors are at the forefront of that, and they're in grave danger, not that we're not all uh, on the firing line. And so my heart is for myself and uh for um, my brethren, that we would just continue to, um, you know, stand tall in this evil day, to continue to, to you know, take the word of this and, and the sword of the Spirit and wield it effectively and well, uh, not only in, uh, you know, cutting into enemies' ranks, but uh, use it as a scalpel to bring healing to God's people 
And so, you know, I just want to remind myself of of the importance and I, my heart for pastors, which will will you know next Tuesday, is to just encourage them um, to to give them a second wind, to encourage them to keep doing what they're doing. Um, I love the fact that Salem. Uh, has a heart for pastors. Uh, these pastors' lunches that I get involved in uh, come uh, free of charge to those that attend, but it costs uh, Salem. But I, I know that they see that as a great investment because, yeah. uh, you know, when Jesus was ministering, we read in the gospel, Scott, that, you know, when that woman touched him, virtue went out of him. And and so pastors are always ministering, always giving, always emptying themselves uh, virtue strength is being uh you know uh taken from them and i think i hope that this luncheon i hope that my ministry i hope that the the, the word of god will uh, pour some some strength back into them uh, every pastor needs that kind of pit stop to recharge and uh, refuel and and maybe one other thing you can jump back in you know as i thought about this whole issue of me speaking to leaders what can i say i see the importance of it you know i i, I was struck again that several letters in the new testament what we call the pastoral epistles you know first and second timothy uh, titus um, they were written directly to pastors because paul understood uh, that that uh, you know church health is from top from the top down uh, we need qualified men godly men men equipped of the holy spirit men able to uh, preach the word in season and out of season able to rebuke error able to be a clarion and comforting voice to their congregation it, it's so critical and so i'm i'm so excited to be um part of this and i just trust that tuesday over at spanish hills uh, will be a, uh, you know, a, a cold drink of water uh, for thirsty pastors. You, know, you list all those things that pastors are called to be in that spiritual realm. And as you're saying that, I'm also thinking in often they are the janitor and they are often the uh, bookkeeper. They are often the administrator in so many different ways. They're the office manager. There is so many different pieces of pressure that uh, pastors have on them. It's uh, really extraordinary. So I thank you for for what you're doing. You know, when when you think about Scott, let me yeah. Scott, let me jump in there in the sense I totally agree with that. And you know, I've 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 ministered in that kind of context to maybe in a small church or a pastor's bivocational. Um, uh, you know, uh, they have to wear several hats. They're yeah. the backbone of the church. The average church in America is around about 75 to 100 people led by a bivocational pastor. But I do want to remind myself and our audience that in the best of circumstances, that kind of ministry needs to be taken off a pastor's plate. That's I mean, right. when you get the First Timothy 3, we've got two offices, the office of the elder bishop overseer. Those are all interchangeable terms from what I understand, looking at Acts 20, 1 Peter 5, and then you've got the office of the deacon. And if we look at Acts 6, maybe as a prototype deacon, it seems that it's not that any of that is beneath the calling of any man of God. Jesus washed feet and we're happy to take up the ministry of the towel. But on the other hand, effective ministry takes place when when men called of God and equipped of the Spirit, and especially men 
who are um, you know, able to teach. Uh, the more we take off their plate, the better they can run in their lane, the better they can equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, Ephesians 4. And so I, I hope that a- any congregational, a- any congregant listening will hope for, work towards, and pray for that there will be an effective team around their pastor taking off his plate, um, uh, you know, what gets in the way of him leading with, with some margins, mm-hmm. uh, preaching the word, you know, having had time during the week to be on his knees before God and before the text and come with an eternal word to God's people. I think the sad thing is, Scott, and you've experienced this, I think we've all seen it, you know, uh, you know, Saturday Saturday night specials just won't cut it over the long run. We've all had to yeah. patch something the together. The sermon that you come up with on Saturday night, and you're just like, oh, this will do. There you go, but it won't do in the yeah. long term, um, because God's people need to be fed a steady diet of healthy doctrine, which takes time to expand. And so my my cry and my, my passion and my desire uh, uh, and appeal to those listening today, you know, let your let your pastor run in his lane. I remember in my early days at Kindred, I'm here 16 years in Anaheim Hills, that one of our uh, you know, elders took me aside and said, you're spending too much time in the work and not enough time on the work. And what he meant by that mm-hmm. was I was, you know, in the trenches, putting out fires, running here and there, rather than stepping away from the work, overseeing it, getting a vision for where it needs to go, and then having the energy and the margins to give myself to leadership issues, not just every issue within the church. You know, I can tell you too, as as a pastor in different sizes of churches, but when I had people come alongside me who were, who understood that, who were very competent in what they're doing, it did a couple of things. It did give me more space to focus on the Word and prayer and do other things. But also, those people tended to be a lot better than me at whatever it was that they were going to take off my plate, which benefited the whole church. Because when right. I was doing certain things that I shouldn't have been doing, it was bad for the whole church because I wasn't good at it. That's that's right. I mean, back to Ephesians four, it, the the pastor teacher is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. I mean, on on, on the one extreme, you've got uh, the, the churches that load it uh, on the pastor, and and they these kind of the hired gun. Yeah, you know, um, that's one extreme, and it's a bad model in the long run. On the other extreme, to my fellow pastors and brethren, sometimes we want to control all the ministry. We don't. Uh, you know, a delegate. We don't develop leaders around us and have trust in them and and a recognition that, you know, um, it's a team ministry. It's a plurality of men pulling together for the benefit of the church. So we've got to avoid both extremes. Blessed are the balanced was something um, Pastor McLaughlin taught me in my first church in Northern Ireland. And I think it's a wonderful statement. We need to be balanced in this. We need to recognize the importance of leadership, but the role of leadership is to get the saints and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And in the middle of that, there's that there's that sharing of the load, and and there, I think great happiness and effectiveness and joy comes in the midst of that less exhaustion 
less frustration. Yeah, if you are listening, you're thinking, how do I pray for my pastor? This is a good place to start, is to pray for that and then pray how God would use you. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Philip DeCourcy, senior pastor of the Kindred Community Church, and you hear him on his teaching program, Know the Truth, right here on this station. And he'll be the speaker at the uh, KDAR Pastor's Breakfast in Oxnard, uh, coming up on October 3rd. Pastor, as you think about these things and your your heart for pastors, you'll be speaking to pastors. What has God placed on your heart? What are some things that right now, you know, fall of 2023, this crazy time that we're living in, what do you think? What are you thinking? Yeah, about? I've, I've wrestled with that, Scott. I know that if, if you were given the opportunity to speak to pastors, you spend a little bit more time thinking about it. And I want it to be a word in season. So I've settled on uh, Nehemiah 4, uh, especially verses 10 and 12. It's a message I've called uh, finding the heart to go on. Um, you know, William Carey once said, you know, if you want to understand my genius, he was a missionary in India. He said, my genius says I can plod. And and a lot of the ministry is plodding. A yeah. lot of the ministry is just being faithful and, and keeping going. And I think Nehemiah 4 addresses that. You've got this you know, beautiful passage on there. They're halfway through the rebuilding of the walls and the gates in the city of Jerusalem. And, and, and in the, the verses 10 and 12, you've kind of got, and, and the laborers are exhausted and their strength is giving way. And, and they recognize the wall is only half built. And, and then they kind of look at where they're at and, and, and they're surrounded by enemies. It seems overwhelming and they become feeble minded. And so I want to, I want to address that. I want to look at, at, at that passage, Scott, hmm. and kind of dissect. Uh, and diagnose what's going on. And I think there are a few factors. I'm not going to give my message away, but you'll see that fatigue was a factor. I think pastors need to recognize that, you know, uh, we are body and soul. We're not Gnostics. We don't discount the physical. And, uh, you know, fatigue makes cowards of us all. And so there's a challenge there, not only to pastors, any servant of God, not to discount the physical and get sleep and, and recharge your batteries. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Then there's frustration. Um, I mean, I love the realism of Nehemiah 4. The, the wall was half built. Then that's in, in some sense encouraging, but is it half, is the glass half empty or is it half full? And often that's where we live in the ministry. We're kind of, mm. we're, we're, we're halfway up the hill. Um, and, 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 and we could just as quick slide back down. And, you know, it's halfway through the car payments that the shine on the car goes off. It's, uh, in, in midlife that, uh, we, we, we can sometimes get ourselves into trouble. So we're going, we're going to look at that, the need to persevere and that whole idea of there's a, I think there's a little phrase in there. There's a lot of rubble or rubbish. How often do we feel in ministry life in the trenches of parenting? There's so much stuff we've still got to push aside to get to our goal. We've got to, we've got to keep a perspective, keep our head on that. And then that, the, the factor of feeble mindedness, we are not able. And that's where Nehemiah comes in and says, hold on a minute. Remember, God will fight for us. And I'll get to the other side of a, the solution that, you know, worshiping a big God in Nehemiah 4, um, partnering with others in the work, um, keeping a perspective on the moment you're in um, as you reach towards a future goal. So I, I, I'm excited. Um, I mean, John Piper in one in one of his books talks about the need to be coronary Christians. Mm. He says, you know, adrenaline 
will will work for a while and, and we can you know we'll get up it'll pump us up and it'll give us an injection of enthusiasm but our heart will, will you know that love a dub everyday heart of ours it just keeps pumping and allowing us to take one step after another i i love that image that hey i want to encourage my brethren on tuesday to be coronary christians to be enduring ministers of the gospel and just to keep uh, you know, keep on keeping on because um, in the end, uh, by God's grace, we will we will see the walls built, we will see the gates hung, and we will see God's people uh, brought to a better place. So I'm encouraging my brothers in that uh, Ventura area and anywhere around there to come and uh, join us on Tuesday. And uh, let me give you some spiritual smelling salts. I think that the encouragement to to plod and to move forward. Um, is really, really great. I'm just thinking of so many different times when I wanted to quit and uh, a couple of times really thought about it. And ultimately, I'm here in radio, but I didn't quit a few years ago when I thought, you know, I'm discouraged and uh, I'm going to do something else. Instead, I stayed and God bless that. And I'm still in ministry and I get to preach in other places. So I don't want people to think that I quit discouraged because I didn't. I left well. We resolved the things that needed to be done. But I understand the the feeling, and you're probably going to have, in fact, the LA Pastors Breakfast, somebody asked the question, you know, how many of you want to quit right now? A lot of hands went up. And, yeah, I know. Hey, yeah. That, that's why I've chosen this passage. I am, yeah. I'm not, you and I are not naive that when you sit among our brothers and, and, and other ministers of the gospel, and you've got that smile, or there's a cackle of laughter in the room, there's still a lot of heartache. There's a lot of yeah. backstories there of discouragement. And and you're right, it's that old Vernon Grimes statement, right? It's always too soon to quit. If they had to stop the Nehemiah 4, they would never have got to the end of the story, and the walls were built, and yes. the gates were hung, and God's glory returned. There's an old Vance Havner story, if I can squeeze this in, Scott, where uh, it's a, actually it's not a story, it's a message. Um, Vance Havner was an old Southern Baptist evangelist and, and revivalist. And he, and he talks about when it comes to ministry, there's three options. You can resign. You can just give up. You can write your resignation letter and walk away. Uh, uh, or you can become resigned. That is, you stay mm. in the ministry, but you've lost your heart. Yeah. And you're kind of just putting in time, and that doesn't benefit anybody, yourself, your family, or the church. So you can resign, just give it up, or you can become resigned and just, you know, put your time in, and 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 that you'll you'll do your ministry, but you'll not do it with joy. Or you can become resigned. You can, you know, let God resign you to a new chapter, to a new level of effectiveness. And and I hope that on. Tuesday, those who um, are thinking about resigning won't. Those who have become resigned within the ministry will will will, will get a second wind and find uh, a joy to, according to Second Timothy four, fulfill their ministry with joy. And then uh, that we'll all, you know, re uh, re sign up for uh, uh, something that God still wants to do in our ministry. Read church history, uh, read biography. Uh, and and you'll see that every true servant of God, those who were used greatly, um, were always on the verge at times of yeah. of quitting and stepping away, turning back. But in God's grace, they they push through to a better day and to greater results. And I think Nehemiah four will encourage us all to that end. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to that. The the pushing through and trusting in God to carry you through those times to succeed in for him, for his glory and for his kingdom and what he's called you to do. When you have that moment, you realize that God has been with you all the time and it strengthens your faith even as a pastor. It gives you so much more confidence in the Lord in what you've been called to do. Uh, this is a great event coming up. I encourage you, if you're in the Ventura area, it's coming up as the KK, uh, not KKLA, that's where I'm sitting right now. It's the KDAR <laughs> 98.3 FM, The Word, uh, Pastor's Breakfast. And uh, you're right, all these Salem stations, we, we do this because it's it matters for all of our ministry partners, and that's how we see all of the churches that are preaching the gospel here in Southern California. It is Tuesday morning, October 3rd, at the Spanish Hills Country Club in Camarillo, and and uh, my guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy, and he will be the guest speaker at that. It's 8.30 in the morning, and uh, I, I emphasize, pastors, that it does include breakfast, which is a great reason to go. Amen. And another, and it's free, an even better reason to go, and uh, the Lord's going to bless you through Pastor Philip DeCourcy's message. Uh, Philip, you know, you've been uh, around a long time in ministry, and you've seen a lot of different things, and uh, we're going to take a break here in a couple of minutes, but... We are in a a battle that I don't think we've seen in this country. I don't I don't think it's new, and maybe you have a different perspective on it. It's certainly not new in the course of two thousand years of the church, the spiritual battle that we're in. But we're I don't think the the ministry and the call and the the spiritual battle is the same now as it was even five or six years ago. I think there's significant change. I agree. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the break, I look forward to talking about that. I'm in the book of Ephesians and, and, and Scott for several weeks now, we've just camped on Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 on, uh, spiritual warfare. And I, I want, I want to help my congregations uh, just get a perspective on the nature of the battle. We, we tend to look at what's in the foreground. And we tend to forget what's in the background. We tend to focus on what's visible. But as old, uh, you know, Donald Barnhouse talked about so many years ago in his book, there's an invisible war going on. There's an invisible context that actually shapes what's going on in the physical realm. So I'd, I'd love to get into that for a few minutes with you and hopefully bring perspective and encouragement to our audience. We'll do that when we come back, spiritual warfare, and to get your, your thought about that. People have a lot to say about it. And some of it's biblical, some of it isn't. We need to get this right. So we'll talk about that. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy. He's the guest speaker at the uh, 2023 Pastor's Breakfast in uh, Ventura County. And you can go online. You can go to kdar.com if you're listening on 98.3 FM. The word kdar.com might be easier to remember. Click on the banner that says Season of Hope in 2023. That's the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. You can sign up. It's this coming Tuesday, October 3rd at Spanish Hill Country Club. The doors open at 8.30 a.m. Breakfast included. Pastor Philip DeCourcy included fellowship, encouragement, worship, it's all included. And uh, as a pastor, I encourage you to be there. We'll be right back on the Pastor Scott Show with Pastor Philip DeCourcy as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show, and I am with Pastor Philip DeCourcy. And uh, Pastor Philip, thanks for staying with me for another segment. You're preaching through uh, Ephesians, and when we right before the break, we talked about the spiritual nature of so much of what's going on. Often on our show, 
we come to the conclusion that this doesn't make any sense, the things that are happening in the news and in the world. And But actually, it makes perfect sense when you look at it from a biblical point of view, doesn't it? Yes, and, and we need to get a biblical perspective on our context. Um, as I've been preaching through Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, and I've quoted A.W. Tozer often, who said, this world is not a playground, it's a battleground. Yeah. And we need to be reminded of that. The Christian life is not a walk in the park on a Sunday afternoon. It's, it's a battlefield. It's a battleground. It's contested territory. And Paul tells us that, right? Scott, I mean, Ephesians six twelve. you wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now, hold on. Uh, Paul had plenty of flesh and blood enemies, and so did the Ephesians. The New Testament church was, um, you know, on the wrong end of political persecution, on the wrong end of a cancel culture. They were on the wrong end of, of, of uh, you know, political figures jabbing at them, um, removing their liberties. Uh, they, ha- they were dealing with uh, religious antagonism from several of, uh, you know, the faith communities around them. So to me, it's astounding but very insightful of Paul says, hold on a minute, don't get caught up simply in what your eyes see. We walk not by sight, we walk by faith. And he brings a faith or a, a, a biblical or a theological perspective, and he reminds us that there's there's principalities, there's powers, there's rulers of the darkness of this age. And 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 I, I want our people to see that. Um, it's not that there isn't a political fight between right and wrong and good and evil. It isn't uh, that there isn't a philosophical fight in terms of worldviews and perspectives on gender and life, when it begins and and, and, and how a man ought to behave for his good and for uh, the glory of God. But Paul seems to be inferring the real fight isn't political. The real fight is not physical because our weapons are not carnal. They're not guns. Right. Um, you know, they're not, you know, steel swords. Um, and the, the real fight's not philosophical. The real fight is spiritual. Um, there, there's an enemy, uh, Satan, an adversary. He's called, right, First Peter 5, our adversary. The word adversary means against us. And, and and several times in Ephesians 6, where Paul uses that word, you know, we wrestle not against, we're, we're not against, we're, you know, we're up against stuff. And just Paul wants you to look beyond the foreground to the background, a bit like Job, right? Job 1 and 2, when the curtains pulled back. I mean, there's poor Job, you know, he's been robbed. Uh, people have stolen his children and, and killed his children and livestock. Um, he's been inflicted with disease and illness. And and to the foreground, you see the human entities and you see the physical chaos. Um, but to the background, uh, we see that Satan, um, who's, who's uh, 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 accountable to God, nevertheless has given permission in the mystery of God's providence to wreak havoc mm. in Job's life. And so, yeah, I just want our, our people to, to understand um, the background, uh, the invisible war that's, that's driving and defining the, the physical war. Look, with this, I'll stop and you jump in. I, I, don't, I think a lot of our listeners know, certainly our congregation knows, for a time I was a police officer in Northern Ireland during the Troubles in the, in the 1980s. And, you know, um, 
there was the fight on the ground. That was me in my uniform with my fellow police officers patrolling, arresting, sometimes, you know, dealing with riots and, and all of that. But the real fight was invisible. Hmm. It was the intelligence war between the SAS and the British intelligence services and the IRA. And and, and often, um, you know, the, our successes on the ground that became visible were, were simply the manifestation and the fruit of the invisible war that was being won with with intelligence and 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 the fight going on in, in the shadows. And I I think there's something of a scenario that, and that's why we've got to put on the whole armor of God. That's why we've got to pray with all prayer and supplication um, and praying with all the saints because it, it's those spiritual weapons. It's it's that it's that spiritual lifestyle that will will bring the conquest that will allow us to punch holes in the darkness. Does that make sense? It does make sense. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show. My guest is Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Pastor, when we talk about spiritual warfare, sometimes there's another side of it where people are, are, I think, in Christian people get so far into it, they start to try to figure out specifically what the Satan might be trying to do and I think it goes beyond putting on the armor of God. It's putting on the armor of God and then putting a whole lot of weight of definition of what demons might be doing here and there or mm-hmm. other things. How do we just stick with the, the biblical description, the fight that is actually described, and not worry as much about the things we can't actually know? Does that make sense? Oh, Scott, I love that question. I dealt with that, and I and maybe should have dealt with it longer um, when when I preached in this passage. Look, this is maybe not the right way to say it, but there is a lot of hocus pocus around spiritual warfare. Yeah, and 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 I look at Ephesians six ten to eighteen. I think it's the it's the longest passage. Listen, it's the longest passage in the New Testament uh, on spiritual warfare. There's nothing said in that passage about territorial demons and rebuking Satan and 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 all of that. It, it's it's a passage like the rest of Ephesians that centered on the fruit and the power and the triumph of Jesus Christ in the gospel. And and, and I, I brought out the fact that if you look at the the, the, the the armor we're told to put on, those are all gospel-related issues. The truth of the gospel, the righteousness that comes uh, by, by imputation through faith in Jesus Christ, the the, the breastplate of, of, of his righteousness, the, the faith that he produces in us and the faith that we have because of him, the, the word of God. If we live the gospel, if we live in union with Jesus Christ, then we are protected. Um, we certainly don't discount the enemy and his might but while he's mighty, he's not almighty. I see nothing in the New Testament about Christians running scared. Um, uh, we're told to stand, and we're, we're, we're the inference of that we're able to stand. And and so um, I think if we stay within Ephesians six and 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 the clear passages of Scripture, um, that that uh, we can win the spiritual warfare. In fact, the spiritual warfare has already been won. Earlier in Ephesians, Paul talks about how Christ has triumphed over the principalities and powers. That's right. That's the language he uses in Ephesians six. That's right. And so we can. We're not fighting for victory. We're living in victory. And as we live in union with Jesus Christ. And, and and apply all the benefits of the gospel 
um, in in uh, both justification and sanctification and the hope of glorification, uh, we can withstand uh, the evil that's, that marks our day. We don't need to succumb to temptation. Um, we, we can resist the devil and cause him to flee from us. And so um, I love the balance of Ephesians 6. And it's interesting, back to the point you made, when you read a lot of what's going on in contemporary evangelicalism regarding spiritual warfare and the stuff that's in and around the circumference of that, I just don't find that emphasis in Ephesians 6. I think we make it too complicated. And, you know, there's something else, you know, by adding stuff that we couldn't know, it takes our eye off the ball. And something I like about this passage in in the reminding us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's spiritual. That also reminds us to not make the non-believer our enemy, but instead the victory is when that person comes to Christ and comes on our side and is able to put on the armor of God uh, through the Holy Spirit uh, to join that battle that they know all too well. And it reminds us to stay on mission, that that's where our our victory is, and we have the Lord's help. Yeah, I love it. I mean, if we're staying with military analogies or military language, mission drift. And I think the contemporary church is involved in mission drift. We're getting too involved in in social justice issues. We're getting too involved in the political realm. And not that some of that isn't important, loving your neighbor, uh, uh, advancing righteousness within a nation, which is good for a nation. But our mission is is um, preaching the gospel to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. I love the phrase in 2 Timothy 2, is it, where Paul talks about those who are held captive by the devil at his will. Yes. And so while on the one hand, my my godless neighbor, my pagan neighbor, my Christless neighbor who's living an immoral life and, and violating the law of God, he's culpable for his actions, and, and, I, and, I, and I, I have a right to point out Uh, the difference between right and wrong. I've got to look again beyond that and see also he's, he's been manipulated. Um, beyond his his own flesh by a tempter um, who 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 holds him captive. Right, Second Corinthians four four. Um, you know the, the, the those who are blinded by in their minds by by Satan. Uh, first First John five. The world sits in the, the lap, or the world is under the sway of the evil one. So the best thing I can do. Um, b- both politically and socially, is to bring my neighbor into a living relationship with Jesus Christ, because after that, righteousness um, will, will will take root in his life, and his family will be the better for it, her family will be the better for it, the neighborhood will be the better for it, and there'll be one less person in the ranks of darkness, so there's greater, there's more light and less darkness, and so that that that's that's our focus. You touched on it. Our mission is 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 um the building up of the church. That's right. Um you know, I, I sat down with a few men in our church recently over dinner and I and I you know I, I challenged them with this question what's the greatest thing going on in the world today? What's the most important thing going on in the world today? And I was a little surprised that how they they hesitated to get to the answer I was looking for. The answer to that question is the church. That's right. The building up of the church. Nations will 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 fall into the dustbin of history. This present moment will give way to eternity. And when all the scaffold scaffolding of, of human history is, is pulled down, what remains behind that is, is a church um, built by the Lord, nigh glorious and sinless, 
that will enter in an, into an eternal relationship with him and an eternal state under a new heaven and earth. So that's the end goal. When the war is finished, that's where the victory will be defined. And therefore, evangelism and discipleship is the focus of any true believer today in the midst of spiritual warfare. That's right. And when the church has done that in history, it has affected everything else for the positive. And uh, it's a, a lesson for us to stay with Scripture. Pastor, we're about out of time. I want to remind people that uh, Pastor Philip DeCourcy will be the guest speaker at the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast in Ventura County. It is Tuesday, October 3rd at Spanish Hills Country Club in Camarillo. The doors open at 8.30 a.m. Breakfast is included. It is free. Pastors and church leaders, I encourage you to go. Just go to the website, kdar.com or 983fmtheword.com. Click on the Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast and uh, register for that. It's this coming Tuesday. I really encourage you to go there. Pastor DeCourcy will be there, and you'll be blessed uh, by going. Don't think you're too busy. You're not. You're too busy not to go. Uh, So please go uh, to that conference. Pastor Philip DeCourcy, thanks for being with me today here on the Pastor Scott Show. God, thanks for the invitation. Thanks for uh, sharing part of your program with me and uh, keep on keeping on, brother. Thank you. You too. Uh, pastor Philip DeCourcy is the senior pastor of the Kindred Community Church in Anaheim Hills, California, and you can hear him every day on this station at various times on the program called Know the Truth. It's KKLA at 10, on 1030, uh, 1030 a.m. every single day. Uh, pastor, I'm just going to pray quickly because I got to go to a break, but I want to pray for you in the pastor's breakfast. Um, God, you. you know all the things that we need to say. I just pray that you would bless that pastor's breakfast, all the pastors and ministry leaders who are going that they would be refreshed, that they would be encouraged and ready for the, the battle and re-signed to what you have called them to be. I thank you for Pastor DeCourcy and yet that you would bless uh, his ministry and his message there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor, for being with us. We'll be back as the Friday edition of the Pastor Scott Show continues. We'll continue with Open Line Friday. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. For breaking news at this hour, it is one of the most famous murder cases in American history. And now police in Las Vegas say they have made an arrest in connection to the drive-by killing of Tupac Shakur from the 1990s. Police giving an update just in the last minutes or so on who they've indicted for his murder. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. And uh, we have Open Line Friday, as we do every single Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you want to talk about. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. The murderer of Tupac Shakur was arrested today, and that murder happened 27 years ago. And uh, if you remember, he... He was murdered in Las Vegas. It was, uh, I believe, a drive-by style thing. He was killed uh, with four different shots. And, uh, you know, it is kind of remarkable that all this time later, something like that gets resolved. We were talking about it here, and you know, I don't know for how many people they think much about it, but it does bring closure. It does bring, you know, that reminds us that justice eventually eventually comes around. Here's a little more on that story. Uh, bomb- bombshell for sure. I had opportunity to watch the press conference, and the first thing I could say is looking what the district attorney said. He said, oftentimes with the justice system, justice delayed is normally justice, you know, not earned. And so he said, no, not here. 
We've done our job. We've always been attempting to do this. He wanted to commend the officers that put in the work um, over the years, 27-plus years. Now, his mother, Tupac's mother's obviously passed 2016, but for the rest of his family, his siblings, and the other individuals that have been affected by this around the world, now have a little bit of justice knowing that the individual um, is now in behind Just, bars. You know, it is a important thing to realize, and something I think that's important when we think about, you know, not not just this case in particular, but the terrible things that people do, uh, the murders and the, you know, the child abuse, the rapes, the other things that uh, are just terrible things. And, and the other things that are listed scripturally as terrible things, usually in the same passages too, you know, like uh, hate and, and gossip and slander and things like that that we do to each other. Something that we need to keep in mind is that uh, justice will be done eventually. Often it's going to happen, and I think most of the time it happens in this world, particularly where a criminal offense is, is done. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, we are in a position, you know, something important to remember, in a world where people aren't always, you know, people are more and more often ready to reject the idea that there is a God, ready to reject the idea that there is a a higher power, if you will, or some kind of coordinator in the universe. The fact of the matter is, is that if there's not, right, if there's no God, if there is no source of higher authority, if there's no cosmic justice, then the scary thing is, is that actually uh, people are going to get away with all of their injustices as much as they can. And even if they're captured in this world today, they might deal with it in this world, they might not. But a lot of things that get done, a lot of things that happen, let's say they never catch this guy. You know, where where is the justice, you might ask, of God? Well, the justice comes because one day there will be a there will be an accounting for all the stuff before Jesus Christ, who is our king, before the one where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And that's an important thing. If you're struggling with the idea of, is there a God? If you're struggling with the idea of, you know, is there uh, any justice in the world? How can a loving God allow these things? How can uh, all of these things happen? You know, the if you don't believe that there's a God, this is one of the harder things. You've got to think this through. If there's no God, then the only thing we are is just dust in the wind, and there's actually no morality. There's no right and wrong. People say, oh, yeah, there is right and wrong. We should treat each other fairly, and we should treat each other kindly. But the answer is, for what? Or should we only—see, and the thing is, is that we should only do that because of our own benefit, right? We should only do that because if there's no God, if there is no eternal reason for justice, if there is no sense that— you know, there is an accounting from from an actual authority on these things, then the interesting thing is that the only reason to be kind to people, the only reason not to commit crimes, the only reason not to kill them, the only reason not to steal, the only reason holding us back is some kind of temporal pain put on us by whatever person has grabbed the authority here. And see, and the motivation is selfish then. I don't want to have pain because I might get caught if I rob this place or if I kill this person or if I harm this person in some way. Uh, That would bring, uh, you know, some kind of pain to me. But if I could get away with it, if I felt like I can get away with this and I'm not going to get punished, if I can get away with this and that person gets hurt and that person gets stomped on or maybe that person loses their life, but I feel like I can get away with it, uh, then I'm going to do it and there's nothing wrong with it if there's no God. And if you're, if you're objecting to that right now, I would just ask you to see it through. 
I would just ask you to see through the idea of what it means if there is no higher authority. And your great thinkers of the time and philosophers, your Nietzsche's and people like that who decided that there's not a God, they did think it through and they were horrified by the notion. And they struggled because they were always looking for some kind of um, they were they were looking for some kind of proof or tangible proof beyond, you know, their own interpretation of Scripture, and they never got it, and they went nuts because if there is no God, if there is no higher justice, then it's kind of a horrific conclusion that you come to. I'm here to tell you that there is, that God has created us. He's created us in his image, and he's created the world that uh, Romans 1 tells us we're of no excuse to not understand that. Everything you look at has, everything you know in your life uh, had a, you know, that you can you know, that you can touch your car, the chair you're sitting on, the computer you're looking at, the microphone I'm talking into. It was put together by an intelligent mind. It didn't just happen randomly in the universe. And neither did trees or dirt or water or planets or solar systems or anything else. There is an intelligent mind behind it. And that's the authority. And I believe that he revealed himself to us uh, through the Bible, through 40-some different writers over 1,500 years who put that information down, and then he came, uh, and Jesus Christ lived the perfect life on our behalf and died for our sins and took care of all the questions we have. All the religion and philosophy, it's handled by Jesus Christ uh, and a significant thing. So keep that in mind, and you know the, the battle that you're facing where maybe you're, you're not sure about that, let me tell you something that's spiritual. And it's true. It really is. 888-528-2557. It's Friday. Let me see if I can get a call here real quick. we got some calls coming in. Tracy in Pacoima, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi. Uh, God bless you, Pastor. You were right. And there is a God. There is a God. Yeah. Um, I, I had a court hearing uh, today. Tracy, you're a homeless and, person, right? You called before and uh, you got a... Yes, okay. So yes. what's your situation today? You I'm only have about so a minute. Homeless. Uh, okay. I went to court. Found out them seizing a home is a criminal act, um, and they were supposed to go to jail. The police were supposed to arrest them. Uh, the uh, attorney general, they sent me a paper. It's a bulletin, and that's why they're investigating. No, uh, my 14th, 14th Amendment was violated. Um, the only people can put someone out is the sheriff or a marshal, mm-hmm. not a landlord, not the police. Okay, and, and so, so what's going to happen now? Somebody's going to jail. Yeah, and what's going to happen to you? Do you get to move back, or do you get? How's this well, going to work out well, for you? You know, you know what? Uh, I got to take another step. I need to go to the federal, and I need to do some motion. Okay, and because they're trying to cover this up. And you do have somebody helping you with this, yes? Nope. Oh, you don't. Okay. Nope. Uh, you know, with with nope. that letter you got and other stuff, you might be able to find an attorney who will help you. Uh, with that pro bono. It might be worth asking, but otherwise I'm glad that this is right, something that's moving right. forward for you. I really am. Can you pray before you get off the phone? I'm going to pray. Please, I just Pastor. have a couple of seconds here, Tracy. God, I okay, thank you. Okay, I, I thank you for uh, this step forward for Tracy and her situation that's been going on. I pray that you would continue to help her with strength, that you provide the help that she needs to have the right representation and to be uh, 
once again in her home. I pray that you protect her job, her kids, uh, and her pets too. In Jesus' name, amen. Tracy, thank you for the update. This is the Pastor Scott Show. It's Open Line Friday. I see your other calls there, Gary, and other people. We'll get to you as we come back on Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 